Don't you appreciate Henry and Shauna again? You all are the best. We love you all. Well, good evening. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Exodus. We're going to be looking at Exodus uh, number 21 through 23, but we're going to start in Exodus 24. Those of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We're, we're honored to have you with us tonight, uh, wherever you are on this nice, warm January night, and I know that you're enjoying it, and so it keeps the blood flowing and keeps us all ready to go, and uh, just make sure you drip your faucets. That's one thing you've been told to do, right? So we've come now to um, this very important section we saw last week, and uh, now you're, you're in 24 of Exodus. We go back, and I would encourage you who are listening to us online um, Gail was confessing today that she was eating her sandwich and it fell all apart on noonday. And so whatever you may be holding in your hands, get your Bible because you're going to need it tonight. Uh, or this will sound like a long, uh, dreary kind of me reading a lot of laws. That you, If you have your Bible handy and you can look at it, uh, have it there with you. You'll need it tonight. You need it all the time, but you'll especially need it. So God's people met with, they met for worship at the mountain. You're in 24 with your finger there, but now I go back and bring us up to speed. Exodus 19, 17. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the, the base or the foot of the mountain. So the people came to the mountain of God to meet God. And then in chapter 20, verse 24 you shall make an altar of earth for me and your sacrifice on it to burnt offerings and peace offerings and your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. So there is this description of God's meeting God's people in worship. We meet God and God meets us. We, uh, as I mentioned Sunday, I mentioned it last week to you, the church house is the meeting house. The church house is the meeting house. It's not a cathedral. It's not a place for art. It's, not, it's, a, it's the place we meet God together. It is the meeting house. That's the old time way of talking about it. For years and years, the church has called God's people meet the meeting house. So we've come tonight to meet with God again. And we've come tonight to meet God around His Word. So what are we, what are we immediately struck with as the children of Israel? Remember now, historically remember where they are. They are now in, um, deep in the wilderness. They are there in those barren lands. And they now meet God and see the glory of God in ways that no one has ever seen. And that's the description at the end of 19. And then God, then 20 verse 1, then God spoke all these words. And then He gave us what is later called in, the, in Exodus and also in Deuteronomy, the ten words. So the Ten Commandments are given. The Ten Words are given. And we've spent a lot of time on that. I've also preached through and talked about the Ten Words in detail uh, on Sundays. And uh, so I don't want to go back and repeat, repeat all of that tonight. But I do want to again remind us that we meet God around God's Word. We meet God in order that we might hear from God, glorify God, honor God, and then serve Him, obey Him. And that leads us then to this very important section. And uh, just for uh, detail, I've given to you on the outline, the focus tonight is this, that God gave to Israel laws 
to guide their daily life situations. So you have the law of God is broken into parts, ordinances, statutes, commandments. All of these elements are not just repeated words that are just nice words to maybe take the place of saying law. No, they each have a very important element. And uh, for us to understand the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us and His perfect obedience uh, in, in obeying the law, we must understand the details of the law. That's why we spend our time here. We spend our time walking through with Israel uh, in Exodus and seeing these things afresh and anew. Some of you have seen them in detail. So, so this section from chapter 22 through chapter number 23, this is called the Book of the Covenant. It is the first book that Moses made for God's people. They get to the wilderness. They worship God. Now follow me. They get to the they get to the place to meet God in worship, to hear from God, and then God gives them the book of God. The book of God. This is quite important, isn't it? Because you hold in your hands tonight the completed book of God. So this becomes awesomely important for us. Let's read now the ending of uh, the finishing of what uh, 21, 22, and 23 are about to be that we'll go through. Then, um, this is 24, beginning in verse 3. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord. That is, these, the words beginning in chapter 21 all the way through 23. He recounts to the people all the words of the Lord <clears throat> and all the ordinances. You know, we have city ordinances here. We have county ordinances. You know the word ordinance. And all the people answered with one voice. How did they answer? All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he arose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it in basins. The other half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant. That's what we're calling this. This is what this is called, the book of the covenant. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said again, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. How, how it should be that when we as God's people now come to hear the Word of God, we read it on our own and hear the Word of God, we hear it here at the church or by preachers as you hear them on technology, that we would all say, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. Or that we would say uh, later as they say, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. This is our commitment. So we come now to look at this, and so we'll read the book of the covenant tonight. That's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm, going to I'm going to make the comments at the beginning of it, then read it, and you can follow your outline. Uh, if you have it, those of you online, you can always go to, uh, uh, to our church website, and you can look at the outline. It's there if your computer, if you're able to do that if you want to follow the outline. They're always there. They're, all, they're on Sundays. They're there 
Wednesdays, you can always uh, look at the outlines of what I'm going to be preaching. I give this church the outline of my sermon before I preach it. You are the most spoiled people in the whole world. You are spoiled. I promise you, you're spoiled. All right, I got that over with. The book of the covenant, it is important. And I've given you four or five guidelines that will help us as we read it, okay? This is going to be very foreign to many of you. The immediate thing you'll want to do is say, well, I'm going to compare the United States laws to the law of God of Israel. Don't do that. They're not the same. There's, there's no, this is, not a, this is not a class tonight for you to understand, well, boy, we should, we should talk to the President and the Senate about, this is not all God gave to His, to His people while they were in the wilderness so that they might live in an orderly, honorable way and love one another and it also demonstrates to us, as I've said here, number one, these laws help them along with the ten words. The ten words is what we call the moral law of God. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall. And we know that uh, the law, the, ten, the two tables of the Ten Commandments, the ten words we know. First, how you love God. Second, how you love your neighbor. That's the way the ten words are divided. But this is the civil law. This is relational. This is law between Israelites. This is how we're to love our neighbor. This is how we're to treat them. These are expectations God has set for them. Remember, as they're coming out of 400 years, 20 generations of being in Egypt, they were Jewish Egyptians. They were Jewish Egyptians saved out of Egypt but they still looked a lot like Egyptians. They had the clothes from Egypt. They had all their jewelry from Egypt. They had all the stuff the Egyptians gave them. They brought all their animals from Egypt. Domesticated animals now uh, in the wild, wild, arid wilderness. Lots of changes. So the rich and the poor are treated equally. This is such an important matter. Human life is highly honored as you'll see. All the examples in the book of the covenant, the importance and the importance of human life because men and women are made in the image of God. God is concerned with all of life. I want you to see this. The, 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 um, this is where some of us get uh, in our Bible reading. I remember a fellow told me, so, well, now, Pastor Mike, I don't want you to be upset with me. I thought, well, why should I be upset with you? This is you, you and God's issue. He was talking about how he reads his Bible. He says, when I get to some of that law stuff, I kind of skip around. I said, well, okay, you can do whatever you want to do. But every word in the Word of God is important. All of them. And the detail in the Word of God tells us how much detail God considers important for us in the way we live and how we treat others. And oh, by the way, what He sees us do or not do. So God is concerned with all of life, moral, legal, and spiritual. So you have the Ten Commandments, then you have this book of the covenant, the civil law, and then the entire book of Leviticus is the ceremonial law of worship. It is the law, it is the law of worship. It is a glorious thing. And uh, we should study it for multiple reasons. Some of the laws are not going to be very clear to us as modern readers and it's partly because we do not appreciate nor understand the full life situation to which these Israelites are seeking to live 
and how God is having to speak to them in their times. So when you, again, you cannot read this with the American Constitution in, in your ear and say, well now, what about, what, you know, we're not reading, don't read this as an American, read this as a believer in Jesus Christ. How God is revealing law and the importance of how humans are to treat one another and how God places value on life, etc. Notice the grace and mercy and justice of God in these daily laws as you read them. So we begin now the book of the covenant. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we come to 21 verse 1 through 22 verse 17. Quite a number of verses. Let's just hear the word of God. Now these are the ordinances which you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve for six years, but on the seventh he shall go out as a free man without payment. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him, that is, be freed. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man. In other words, I want to remain a, I want to remain a slave. Then the master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. That is the meeting place of God. And his master shall pierce his ear with an owl, and he shall serve him permanently. So he's marked in his ear as a permanent slave. His ear is pierced. If a man sells his daughter as a female slave, she is not to go free as, a male, as male slaves do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master who designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He does not have authority to sell her to a foreign people because of her unfairness to her. Because of his unfairness to her. If he designates her for his son... He shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes to himself, he may not reduce her food, her clothing, or her conjugal rights. If he will not do these th three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. If, however, a man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor, so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him even from my altar that he may die. He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession shall surely be put to death. He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men have a quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or his fist and he does not die but remains in bed, if he gets up and walks around outside on his staff, then he who struck him shall go unpunished. He shall only pay for his loss of time and shall take care of him the man who hit him will take care of the one he hit 
He will take care of him until he's completely healed. If a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and he dies at his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken, for he is his property. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any injury, then you shall appoint as penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he shall let him go free on account of his eye. And if he knocks out a tooth of his male or female slave, he shall let him go free on account of his tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall go unpunished. If, however, an ox was previously in the habit of goring and its owner has been warned, yet he does not confine it and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner put to death. If a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is demanded of him. Whether it gores a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the same rule. If the ox gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master thirty shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. If a man opens a pit or digs a pit, and does not cover it over, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restitution. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead animal shall become his. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide its price equally, and also they shall divide the dead ox. Or if it is known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, Yet its owner has not confined it, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall become his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. If the thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no blood guiltiness on his account. But if the sun has risen on him, there will be blood guiltiness on his account. He shall surely make restitution. If he owns nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If what he stole is actually found alive in his possession, whether an ox or a donkey or sheep, he shall pay double. If a man lets a field or vineyard be grazed bare and lets his animal loose so that it grazes in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If a fire breaks out and spreads thorn bushes so that stacked grain or standing grain or the field itself is consumed, he who started the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man gives his neighbor money or goods to keep for him and it is stolen from the man's house, if the thief is caught, he shall pay double. If the thief is not caught, then the owner of the house 
shall appear before the judges to determine whether he laid his hands on his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for ox, donkey, sheep, clothing, or any lost thing, about which one says, this is it, the case of the parties shall come before the judges. He whom the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or an animal to keep for him, and it dies, or is hurt, or is driven away, an oath before the Lord shall be made by the two of them that he has not laid hands on his neighbor's property, and its owner shall accept it, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is actually stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is all torn to pieces, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn to pieces. If a man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it is injured or dies while its owner is not with it, he shall make full restitution. If its owner is with it, he shall not make restitution. If it is hired, it came for its hire. If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and lies with her, he must pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the dowry for virgins. So we pause right there and remind ourselves also that these laws, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, these laws are being established in the book of covenant as they go into the land of Israel, into the land of promise. So there's, this is a preparation for their future in living in the land as God's people. And so this, these, these laws demonstrate, again, civil matters. Civil matters of all kinds. They also are provided, you remember we looked at this in detail when Jethro gave Moses his advice, you remember? You can't do all of this yourself. So you select those judges, those ones who would come alongside of you. This is, the, this is, now, this is now the guidance that the judges have to arbitrate and judge among the people of Israel. These are all the things, these are examples of the things they were coming to Moses about. And he was spending all day talking to them about this. And Jethro said, you cannot do this or you'll be completely worn out. You must have others to help you. So remember, this is the guidance we have here. So then we come to this change in the paragraph in verse 18. We have laws concerning witchcraft, demonism, because they're entering into a land of demonic activity. I, I speak today to you... Um, reminding you that the world laughs when the preacher talks about demons and devils. I remind you today that the modern world thinks that this is a fantasy. That there is no reality to spiritual warfare. It doesn't exist, which simply shows us how they are bound and deceived and fooled by the very one they don't believe exists. So, the evil one, from the beginning at the Tower of Babel. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and think about this as we're talking about the world, especially in view of technology and where it is going. Uh, oh, man continues to try to build his tower. His tower to become God. Man continues to seek to do it. And now, with the uh, 
elements in our hands and the ability to do what we do technologically, man has greater confidence than ever, ever that he can be his own God because of technology. So I want to remind you that this brief uh, touch on witchcraft is only one element of what we also will see later when we talk about, the, which is also going to, we're going to see it here, of Canaanite religion, which is demonic. The elements of Canaanite religion, the elements of the Hittites, the elements of Molech, and all the rest are all demonic forms that were in the nations as the nations scattered after the flood. They carried these elements that still were lingering. This is a part of the wickedness of the devil. It's very real. The occult and all that goes with it is very real. And those who dabble in such things open themselves up to possession and to uh, demon oppression. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I've been talking about that recently on uh, my time on Noonday. Time in the Word at noon. And uh, the reality is you have a wrestling match but it's not with somebody else. It's with the principalities and powers. So what do we read here? You shall not allow a sorceress to live. Period. Whoever lies with an animal, again, another form of sexuality, perversion, sexual perversion tied to worship. This happened over and over. This is a this is a clear, God's telling them things that they don't even know exist. Or they've learned about it from their Egyptian days in some forms and fashions. The perversions of Egypt, they know, but they do not know yet the perversions of Canaanites and the occultic activity. But God is warning them. You shall not wrong. So then we move again. Now we make a change. You see this, this change back now in 22:21 to continue to think about oppression and, and the proper way of treating others. We begin now. You shall, you, this, is, this becomes very important. This section is extremely important and has a long, long repeated history, not only in the Old Testament, recounting warnings from God, but also the New Testament. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or orphan. If you afflict him at all, and if he does cry out to me, please notice, I will surely hear his cry. And my anger will be kindled, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to, to my people, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you are to return it to him before the sun sets. Hear the, hear the graciousness and mercy of God. Hear the fairness and the justice of God. Read behind this and see the one who is giving these words. For that is His only covering. It is His cloak for His body. Verse 27. What else shall He sleep in? God cares to this detail. Give Him His cloak. Give back to your neighbor what you have taken by the end of the day. This is the detail. This is the, 
beauty and glory of God. He watches, listen, He watches the way I do my business. He watches how you do your business. He understands what you say and what you agree to in secret with, with other people and what you've taken and not taken and given back. He says here something very interesting in verse 27. Of all the places God could talk about His grace, He talks about the importance of giving back somebody's coat. This is amazing to me. For this is His only covering. Listen to the grace of God here, the mercy of God, the care for God. It is His cloak for His body. What else shall He sleep in? And it shall come about that when He cries out to me, I will hear Him, for I am gracious. You shall not curse God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Now he continues. And by the way, I mentioned on your outline, I gave you some detail on some other passages regarding widows and orphans and this amazing subject. So there was a time in Southern Baptist life and here in Tennessee we have... We have, uh, we have our children's homes. They were orphanages. There have, been such, uh, there have been famous, famous men of God and women of God who through the ages of the church have taken care of the orphans and the widows. There are times when there are great numbers of orphans and widows because of war and all the, all the rest. Around the world today, massive numbers of orphans. We, we don't want to read that. You know, I know more people who cry about these poor pitiful dogs than they do about orphans. That, that tells you the condition of America. Crying about dogs rather than orphans. So you have here a list only of the widow and orphan passages in the law from the Old Testament. I could have given you the amount of the things in the New Testament. Sunday we will talk about James 1.27. Pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans in their distress. And then, of course, our focus will be and to keep yourself unstained from the world. Well, we'll come to that. But let's read on. Should not curse God nor curse the ruler of the people. Cursing the rulers of the people. Curse the leaders. Curse them. Cursing the leader. You shall not delay the offering from your harvest and your vintage. Uh, the firstborn of your sons, please notice, you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your male oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days, the eighth day. You shall be holy men to me. Therefore you shall not eat of any flesh torn to pieces in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. 23. We come into 23 and we see these laws for fair treatment. You shall not bear a false report. Now he is, this is, Notice this is expanding on uh, the ten words. You shall not bear false witness. This becomes extremely important. You shall not bear a false report. I believe there was a false report against the Lord Jesus Christ by the highest religious officials who knew the book of the covenant inside and out and had memorized it. And they stood and lied and bore false report about our Lord. You shall not bear false report. 
Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil, nor shall you testify. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall kill it. Is that what it says? Oh, okay. You shall keep it. No. No, you take it back to your enemy. If you see the donkey of one who, who hates you lying helpless under its load, you shall kill it. No. You shall ignore it. No. You shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall surely release it to him. You shall not pervert the justice due to your needy brother in his dispute. Keep far from a false charge. And do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the guilty. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. You shall not oppress a stranger, since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger. For you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. The Lord never let them forget this, did He? Treat strangers the way you want to be treated because you were a stranger. Now he comes to some Sabbath laws in the land beginning in uh, 2310, worship and Sabbath and feasts. God established festivals, a festival. When we think of this, you know, we think of this as a very dry thing. Now, look, uh, you're, you know, they, they have all their kids. It's festival. It's festival. It's a major event. Three times a year in the life of every child of Israel. The Lord Jesus experienced festival. He was there. He participated. You read it in the Gospels. He went there even as a boy. Remember? His mom and dad didn't know where he was at. He was 12 years old. Where have you been? They didn't know where he was at. So now we come to this. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you. Excuse me, I need to go back. Ten. You shall sow your land for six years and gather its yield, but on the seventh year you shall let it rest. Notice all the sixes and sevens. What do you do with those who are Hebrew slaves to Hebrews? After the, seventh, after the sixth year, you let them go. They're freed men. Six years and then seven. Sabbath. Freedom. On the seventh year you shall let it rest, lie fallow, so that the... Here, listen to the grace of God. Listen to the grace of God and the law of God. So that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave, the beasts of the field, the grace of God and His mercy even toward all the created being the animals. Leave the beasts of the field that they may... You are your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day, again, we talked about Sabbath earlier. It was introduced in this book. You shall cease from your labor, so your ox and your donkey may rest. And Notice that they may rest and that they may refresh themselves. That's why you take the day. 
That's why you have rest and work, my dear brothers and sisters. You must have it in your lives. You cannot work every day. Rest and work, rest and work. Now concerning everything which I've said to you, be on your guard and do not mention the name of other gods, nor let them be heard from your mouth. Three times a year you shall celebrate a feast to me. Celebrate. It's a celebration. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. Passover. For seven days you shall eat the unleavened bread, and as I commanded you at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Also you shall observe feast of the harvest of the first fruits. That's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. Uh, of your labors, from what you sowed, and what happened on Pentecost? What happened on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit of God came in power and glory. The harvest of the first fruits. Man, I'm about to go here, but I'm not. We're about done. Pentecost of your labors from what you've sown in the field. All the blessed work of the Lord Jesus Christ and His sowing of the seeds in those men and His preaching and His labor and His death led to Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God came. And He's still here for all who believe. And then the Feast of Ingatherings, or, or as it's known, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. They, they, you know, the kids got to go out and they made their booth. on camp for seven days in this booth. Why are we going to do that? Because your grandparents and your great-great... Can you hear it? They used to live like this. This is, what they, this is the way they lived. Festival teaches the Word of God. Festival teaches the salvation of God. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. 17. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. You finish the sacrifice is what he's saying. You shall bring the choice fruit, uh, fr fruit uh, first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God, and you're not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. There's much to that, but it has to do with um, uh, the, the relationship between the mother and the, the child, the mother animal and the baby animal. Then he talks about the conquest of the land. This is in now prophecy forward. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgressions since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And we see this later, don't we? The terror of God shakes these nations as Israel comes their way. For my, for, you, for my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. And there were a lot of reasons for that. There were a lot of reasons for that. This was not an arbitrary act of God. There were lots of reasons. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. 
But you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send hornets ahead of you so that they will drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites. Any of you been chased by a hornet lately? One of our men got chased by him and he went and ran and jumped in the pond. That's a true story. If I told you who it was, you'd really laugh, but I'm not going to say he might be listening. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the Look at the grace of God. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession. And I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, from the wilderness to the river Euphrates, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land because, notice, they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So what do we learn? God gave these laws to guide them in their daily lives. These laws provide the judges with direction. Loving the neighbor is the primary principle that guides these laws. They are an expansion. They are a complement to the ten words. God's grace and mercy is revealed to the weak and oppressed and strangers. The laws for the daily life reveal the importance of how we treat others with fairness and equity. How much more should it be for followers of Jesus Christ? Remember what the Lord did in the Sermon on the Mount? You know, chapter 6, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Remember? You have heard it said, but I say to you. That's enough. We live by the law of Jesus Christ. Amen? Do we not? That's our law. And these laws reveal a distinct way of living that was different from the other nations that did not know God. Romans 10.4 is how I close it for us tonight. For Christ, listen, here's the good news. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen? To the praise of the glory of His grace, I remind you again tonight, all of you who are here with me in person, and those Lord is near. He is at the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God, for us to have the chance to hear the book of the covenant. And the people said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. May we, as the Lord said, if You love me, You will keep my commandments. And we say, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Bless my brothers and sisters who are here tonight and who are listening. Till we meet again and we have the opportunity to serve together in these days and be a witness for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.